Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. The reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, and starting at verse 17. Page 1006 in the Pew Bibles. The Lord's Supper. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him. The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas The one who would betray him said, Surely not I, Lord. Rabbi, Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine, from now on until that day when I drink it anew 
with you in my father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I thank you very much, Sylvine, as well, for the reading. Should we just pray? Dear Lord, we look at your word as we reflect on Jesus going to the cross. Help us, Lord, to meet with your word now and to meet with you and remind us of your amazing love for us. Amen. Sol Campbell, Ashley Cole, Carlos Tevers, Louis Figo. Now, these names may be familiar to some of you. So those of you that are not familiar, they're footballers. For about the last 20 years, they were uh, international footballers. They won trophies. But to some fans, for fans of some clubs, they only had one name. One name was appropriate for them. Judas. See, they were players who transferred from one team to their bitter rivals. Sol Campbell went from Tottenham to Arsenal. Ashley Cole from Arsenal to Chelsea. Carlos Tevez went from Manchester United to Manchester City. And famously, was, there was a picture when you went into Manchester of him in Manchester City blue saying, welcome to Manchester, really tainting United fans. And Luis Figo worshipped as a player at Barcelona, then transferred to Real Madrid, their bitter rivals, a rivalry that went further than football. Of course, most transfer for money. Footballers are rather well paid and uh, all the chance to win trophies. But to the fans they left behind, the fans who bought the T-shirt, the shirts with their name printed on the back, who sung songs about them, it was a bitter betrayal. And so they go to the Bible and they find the name most appropriate, Judas. There is, of course, something particularly painful and bitter and final about betrayal. To have wrong done by someone who's close to us, someone we trusted, someone we loved, and yet they've hurt us. Maybe the close colleague we trained up and then they stab us in the back. The friend that we told our closest secrets to and then gossips about us with others the best friends who runs off with our spouse or partner. Betrayal is bitter and painful. And I wonder how do we cope? How do we respond when such things happen? How can we respond? What do we learn from how Jesus responded to this infamous act of betrayal? And actually, what does his response mean for us? been looking at that theme of betrayal in this morning's reading that Sylvina brought to us. We're going through a series from Matthew's Gospel, the final chapters, building up to Easter, to Jesus dying on the cross. And our reading takes place the day before he will be crucified. In fact, Jesus will be arrested that very night. We're also at the start of the Passover festival. The Passover is the most important festival in the Jewish calendar. There would be millions in Jerusalem Uh, that week, 
And uh, it was a time when Jews remembered that God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt, crossing the Red Sea and all that, and also reminded them that God was still with them, even when they were under Roman occupation, as they were, and an encouragement to them to hope for that promise of future, when God would come again and bring a king who would lead them to freedom. And there were some there who thought, is this Jesus? Will this Jesus be that king who will bring them freedom? But of course, we also learned just a few verses before this reading that one of Jesus' closest friends, he's one of his disciples, Judas, had decided to hand over Jesus to the chief priests. He would betray Jesus And now Jesus comes preparing to eat that Passover meal with Judas, his last meal with his disciples. He knows of his last. He said his appointed time is near. And what's he going to tell them? What's he going to say to them? What are the key messages he will leave with them? Well, I think there are three key points he leaves here. Betrayal, body, and blood. Sounds like some sort of strap line from a Hollywood movie. Betrayal, body, blood. It'll be some meal for the disciples. It's some meal for us. So firstly, betrayal. They're eating the Passover meal. Probably all seems pleasant enough. They just started. And then Jesus announces, I tell you the truth. One of you will betray me. You can imagine the disciples spitting out their food. What? Surely not I, Lord, they say. Maybe they go around, each of them, repeating that, for, that phrase. Judas, probably sitting next to Jesus. They often reclined at the Passover meal. They were reclining together, probably sweating at this point, thinking, does Jesus know? Do you know what I've done? So he nervously asks, surely not I, Rabbi. But of course Jesus knows. Jesus knows what's in our hearts. He replies, you have said so. Yes, it is you. Maybe at this point Jesus is giving Judas a chance to reflect, maybe even repent. He certainly highlights him to the consequences of his betrayal. Yeah, it will not change the course of what's going to happen. Jesus knew he was going to go to his death. He'd already told them about it several times. But it would be misery for Judas. But Judas goes through with it. He will betray Jesus. We don't really know why Judas betrayed Jesus. Now, as a northerner, I always take some amusement with that, that 11 of the disciples were from the north of Galilee. They were northerners in the north of Israel in Galilee. I can always imagine Peter with a Yorkshire accent, sort of Sean Bean character, going, I'll never desert you, Jesus, because I'm from Yorkshire or Galilee. There was only one southerner in the disciples, and that was Judas. (laughs) But it's probably not right to put a north-south divide and stereotypes onto this passage. We don't know how it was then. So that doesn't really explain it. I sometimes think maybe we learn that Judas was the treasurer. You can never be too sure about the treasurer, can you? 
Except I'm the treasurer. Okay, well, probably not that. Jesus actually, Matthew, sorry, gives us one clue, one hint. If you notice, and actually Sylvina quite well put, pointed it out when she read, the disciples say, surely not I, Lord. But Judas says, surely not I, Rabbi, teacher. Maybe for Judas, he just couldn't accept that Jesus wants to be Lord of his life that he needs to follow in everything, that Jesus has come declaring, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe for Judas, all he saw Jesus was, was a great teacher. Maybe that was it. And over the past three years, as Jesus had talked about going to die, talked about being the way, the truth, and the life, the Messiah, the one to come, maybe for Judas, he just couldn't accept it. He couldn't make that switch to realize that Jesus was the Son of God. I wonder, who do we say Jesus is? Just a great teacher, a moral example, or truly the Son of God who calls into all our lives for us to follow him? And if you want to know more about that, do, I do encourage you to speak to me or to Jeremy or to join one of the Explorer courses going on at the church. Judas does betray Jesus and has been vilified since in chants from football stadiums and elsewhere. But actually, is Judas really that different from us? Really that different from the disciples? Notice that when Jesus says to the disciples, one of you will betray me, they don't go around going, ooh, I wonder who that could be. Well, you know what? I've never been too sure about Thomas. He was always a bit doubting and stuff. Or what about John? Or No, they go, surely not I, Lord. There's a hint of doubt. There's a hint of actually, maybe it could be me. Because when we're faced by Jesus, that Jesus speaks into our hearts, into the deepest recesses of who we are, into those secret desires, the hidden corners that maybe we want to keep hidden. Jesus knows truly who we are. In fact, he tells us that's why he came, to reveal, to be light into our hearts so that God can come into those parts of our hearts and to change us, to make us the people he made us to be. If we were in front of Jesus and he said, one of you will betray me, what would we say? Could we guarantee that we could never betray Jesus? Would we be like the disciples to say, surely not I, Lord? Are we really that different from them? Because if we're honest with ourselves, aren't there not times we betray Jesus? A lot of times we promise to do something and let him down. Being ashamed of Jesus in front of others, not stood up for what's right. Look at the disciples. In the end, they all betrayed him. They all deserted Jesus. When he had his greatest need hanging on a cross, most of them were not there. They'd fled. Aren't we like them? Would we have done anything different? The dinner starts with betrayal. 
how does Jesus respond? If it was me, I think I'd have fled. I thought, I've had it all with you lot. You're going to betray me, whatever. He'd have gone. But Jesus is bigger than me. He's bigger than all of us. In fact, he's going to come up with the answer to that problem of betrayal. Yes, all of us in our hearts know we could betray Jesus, but Jesus has the answer. It's this in this body and the blood, in his death on the cross, the bread and the wine. Now, you're probably at this point thinking, oh, right, now we're going to talk about the communion service, this last supper, the communion service where we meet together and we share bread and wine. And this is quite interesting, actually. So, and that is true. That is something talked about in accounts of Jesus' Last Supper, certainly in Luke's Gospel and in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. They talk about doing this in remembrance of me. And that's why it's important to come together as a church community and to remember Jesus' death on the cross and take blood and wine to share in the communion service, a reminder of what Jesus has done. But in Matthew's account, he doesn't talk about remembering. See, I think he wants to focus, the way Matthew's written this, on these two key elements, body and blood. And actually what Jesus has done for us affects every day of our lives. It's not just something we remember, but something that impacts every part of who we are. It's what changes us. It's about allowing Jesus into our lives, about receiving him every day, receiving his body and blood. So firstly, the body. As I said, this was a Passover meal. They would have had different stages in the Passover, and they would have come to a stage where they had the unleavened bread. And uh, the disciples would have expected Jesus to say um, something like, this is the bread of affliction, which our forefathers um, ate in the land of Egypt. And then they would take it and eat. That was the normal part of the Passover meal. But Jesus never really does what anyone expects. He does something different. He comes up with his own words. He says, take it and eat. This is my body. If you were a disciple sat there, you'd have been shocked. What is he on about? Taking his body. They're not cannibals. What, what is he on? What does it mean? But actually, what he means is really important. What Jesus means is actually he's, he's referring back to all those times he talked with the disciples about bread. In fact, Jesus spends a lot of time talking about bread, that man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word. And then there's the feeding of the 5,000, when with just five loaves and two fish, Jesus fed a crowd who were satisfied, full and satisfied, with plenty left over. So when Jesus says, this bread is his body, he's showing them that just as bread is important in life to sustain us, to nourish us, to give us energy, so, even more important is knowing Jesus in our lives. To take and eat Jesus every day. To receive from him that he'll give us energy, guidance in every situation, every thought and word. To take Jesus in to every part of our lives. And just with food, as we have regular meals, maybe it's having regular time of reading God's word, of prayer, of listening to God. But maybe also, like we want to sometimes have that quick snack to give us an energy burst, maybe also just bringing Jesus in to that meeting we're going to, or that conversation, or when we're finding things a bit tough, to quickly remember one of his promises, or to pray to him. When Jesus compares his body to bread, he's saying 
Just as you need food to live every day, so you need Jesus in your life to truly live. To truly live is to know him, him in your hearts. That is why, he says, he came and died for us so that we can know Jesus in every part of our lives, to eat of him, to take and eat. At this point, the disciples might wonder, but we just talked about betrayal, and now Jesus is promising that his body, how can this be possible? They've all let Jesus down. How is it possible then to feed on him? Well, then he comes up to his final point, the blood. To drink the blood. So again, in the Passover meal, they had wine. Wine, of course, in those days was a staple of uh, what people drank. Food, uh, water was often quite polluted, so they often drink wine. It was a staple. They needed it to live. And in the Passover service, Jesus would have taken the wine and he would have said some words like, this is the fruit of the vine. Uh, Blessed are you, Lord of God, who creates the fruit of the vine. That's what the disciples would have expected Jesus to say. But instead he says, instead he says this, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This wine is his blood of the covenant poured out for you. The disciples must be wondering, what is Jesus on about? What does he mean? As good Jews, they would know they don't eat blood. One of the things that was commanded in the Old Testament was about not eating or drinking blood. And yet, obviously it's not blood, it's wine, but Jesus is still comparing it to blood. What does he mean? You can imagine them maybe even splurting out the wine as he says this. But again... They need to look, these disciples need to look back into the Old Testament and they've understood exactly what Jesus meant. This idea of covenant. Now covenant, so Jesus says this, he says, this is the blood of the covenant. Now covenant is just a word for a sort of solemn agreement and we see that throughout the Old Testament between God and the people of Israel. That God would promise them blessings and to be their God and that the people of Israel would then promise to serve him and only him. And we see it in the times of Noah and Abraham and Moses. And these covenants were sealed with a sacrifice. They were sacrificed animals, so sealed in blood. Of course, the people of Israel, they let God down. They sinned. They betrayed God. And so we see later in the Old Testament this promise of a new covenant, a new agreement, where God would once for all deal with sin and betrayal. And once for all, allow us to know God's laws in our hearts. To have God in our hearts so that we could live for him. So when Jesus says to the disciples, this is my blood of the covenant. He is saying, this is me. I have brought in this new covenant, this new agreement. That's why he's come. So they can know God in their hearts. And it will be sealed, this agreement between God and each one of us through Jesus' death on the cross, through his blood. Effectively, Jesus is saying to his disciples, saying to us, I am pouring out my blood on the cross 
Whatever cuts us off from God, our sin, our betrayal, the times we let God or others down, they're forgiven. That we can know God as our Lord and our Saviour and our friend. Yes, there's been betrayal, but actually Jesus has the answer through his body and blood. Through the death on the cross, he enables us to know him in our hearts day by day. And how do we respond? Well, look what Jesus commands his disciples to do here. To take, to eat, and to drink, all of you, he says. These staples of life. When he says, well, I, if we want to live, truly live, then we need to, the staple needs to be Jesus' word in our hearts. To know him every day. To take from him. Take from Jesus. However we feel, to ask for his help his guidance, his comfort and strength to receive him into our hearts and to receive his transformative power day out by day. Look, we talked earlier about the blessings that God pours out on us and how we can bless others. To take, to be open to God's work in our lives. Then to eat the body of Christ through reading God's word, through prayer, recalling his blessings, listening to God. Maybe that just quick snack we take Give us the energy just to be going to meet him. Please, Lord, help me. Or remembering a promise. Whatever it means, eat the body of Christ and drink his blood. Bring to him the things, the secret parts of our hearts, the secret desires, the failings, the times we have betrayed others. Bring them and to know that through Jesus' death on the cross, he forgives us, that we are truly forgiven. Maybe even bring also those times when we've been hurting, when we've been betrayed by others. I know that we have a God who is faithful, a God who promises never to betray us, who is always there for us, to drink his blood. Take, eat, drink, allowing Jesus to change us, to be the people he made us to be, and the people who can then pour out God's blessings onto others. And just as our reading concludes, living in the hope that ultimately one day we will eat this meal with Jesus in his kingdom. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.